Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gass, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today after a long hiatus for both of us is Emily Krall, our Education and Events Coordinator. Emily, happy Friday. Yay. I always love Fridays. It's been a busy week. A lot of news. We could talk about a million things, but we're going to focus on a couple important things. Um, we're going to talk about the FDA in a couple different ways, how it impacts us here in Michigan, uh, how it impacts everybody. And first, let's talk about the big news, court packing. Not the good kind, like Christmas presents. So. Oh, like packing gifts. Yeah, we're not okay. packing gifts or packing for a vacation. Yeah, we're packing. We've cloned Clarence Thomas. We've packed and wrapped four of them. We're going to open open our Clarence Thomas Pull present. one out when yeah. we need him. He's, no, he's like one of those eggs, you know, those eggs that... Oh, the Russian fit, dolls. The Russian dolls, yeah. yeah. There's going to be a couple Clarence Thomases just That would actually not be a bad thing, but no, um, this is not that kind of thing. No. So, uh, this week, and we should preface it because I think this is important and maybe a reason they did it. So, on Tuesday, there was a court decision out of the state of Ohio... And this was in the Sixth Circuit uh, U.S. Court of Appeals, which is important because that's our circuit. It's us, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So after any of our cases at the federal level, they have to go to the appeals level in those four states. Ohio had a law that banned abortion on children diagnosed with Down syndrome. At the federal level, uh, the abortion industry sued. They threw out Ohio's law. Ohio appealed to the appeals court. Uh, a two-to-one appeals court vote said, oh yeah, we're throwing out your law again. But then uh, Ohio asked for what's called an, I don't know if it's en banc or en banc, however you want to say it, uh, but basically uh, wanted the entire appeals court to hear it because a circuit court has lots of different judges and they pull a pool of three to decide a case. So they all heard it, and the good news was it was a 9-7 to vote to uphold Ohio's law banning abortion on children diagnosed with Down syndrome. And this is huge uh, for a couple different reasons. You know, I think it's a great illustration that six of those nine Emily judges were Trump appointees, and Yay. the seventh was Raymond Kethledge, who was on his short list for the Supreme Court. So... Who would have been, obviously, I guess, a good pick if he's willing to make a vote in this case. Um, it's a big deal because you can diagnose Down syndrome, you know, technically before viability. Uh, and so this would be the first ban on abortion before viability since 1973, upheld in federal court. So that's a huge deal. And it may go to the Supreme Court. Uh, because obviously the abortion industry is going to appeal. Um, it's interesting because the Seventh Circuit, which is just west of us, uh, struck down Indiana's Down syndrome abortion ban. So Sixth Circuit says that's okay and constitutional. Seventh Circuit says it's not. That's a situation where the Supreme Court might take it up. Because that's really, I know 
as we've had to deal with a lot of different issues, people say, well, how do you get the Supreme Court to take up an abortion case? The only surefire way you can encourage the Supreme Court to take up a case is to have two circuit courts split, and then the Supreme Court wants to step in and resolve the difference. Because, Emily, it doesn't make a lot of sense for something to be unconstitutional and constitutional in two different regions of the country. No. No. So, uh, that's great. You might be going to Supreme Court. What can the Supreme Court do? Well, uh, there's a 6-3 conservative majority. Conservative in quotation there's marks. There's a lot of six bunnies. In quotation. There, you can't see them, but there's bunnies hopping around <laughs> in here. The air quotes are out. A lot of hedging. Um, <laughs> and what's the court going to do? Well, they could uphold this ban. They could say, uh, well, it's not an undue burden because, again, as we've talked about the uh, undue burden test for abortion laws, what's an undue burden? I don't know. One, per one man's undue burden is another due a person's due burden, I guess. Um, they could overturn Roe versus Wade using this, which they should if they have the courage to do it. Will they have the courage? I don't know. And that's where we bring in this court packing thing, Emily, because a day after this high-profile abortion case gets out of Ohio that really didn't get talked a lot about in the media. Kind of interesting. Uh, Congress, Democrats in Congress, and the House and Senate unveiled legislation that would add four justices to the United States Supreme Court, Emily. Gee, wow! That's so amazing! You know, there's a 6-3 majority... And if Joe Biden appointed four judges, why, that would be a 7-6 Democratic nominee majority. What a coincidence. Just amazing the, the how they, things uh, work out. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, what What did uh, uh, Representative Nadler say? That 13 is a nice number. <laughs> it's a nice number. Yeah, in, in the conference announcing it, he said it's a nice number. It's a good number. It's a lucky number. Nine is a good number, too. Yeah, nine, I think, well, yeah, nine's better, I it, think. It's been Maybe. a good number you know? since, what, 1869? 1869. It's 69, nine. There's some symmetry there, mm -hmm. you know. It's 2021, 13, 21. Uh, doesn't work out. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because there was an article in the uh, in Vox, one of our favorite publications full of experts and data, by Supreme Court reporter Ian Milheiser, who is very much pro-abortion. Um, little side note, when we knew that NIFLA was going to win their Supreme Court case uh, against California because the way Ian Milheiser was actually in the crowd... There's a certain number of people that get to be in the crowd and hear the arguments. He came out and went on Twitter and was like, Whoa, is me! And I was like, Yes! Um, but Ian Milheiser basically said the quiet part out loud and said that, Well, the Democrats would control the Supreme Court if, Emily, the, uh, if the, you know, if we didn't have like the U.S. Senate and the Constitution and the way we've done things for 230 years, and Emily, elections, you know, if, and yeah, if we didn't, if we if we had free and fair elections where everybody got to vote. Now wait, Emily, I'm, I forget. Are we allowed to question election results or not? I'm confused. I think it's no. We're not allowed to question recent election results. We can we can question oh, okay. some. Okay. It's selective. You have to be oh, careful. Okay. So, so they can't question the election result in Iowa and the, the no. Congress one. Well, you they can question that. Oh, you can, okay. So, what's the rule? I think it's to, 
depending on who won the election. Like, if they have, like, a letter next to their name, like a D yeah, or an R? Yeah, like a D. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems fair. Very fair, yeah. Equity. Mm-hmm. Equity overwhelming. Yeah, um, Equity intensifying. <laughs> um, so... Uh, he basically said the Democrats own the Supreme Court. If Republicans win elections, it's because they cheated or the system's not fair or something. This gentleman, by the way, makes fun of Donald Trump an awful lot. So, of course he you does. Know, it's kind of funny, you know. Um, but uh, that's it. They, they want to have a 7-6 majority. That's it. That's the reason. Any other excuse they have is ridiculous. They think they own the Supreme Court. And sadly, this has become such a partisan situation that... It's very difficult to say the pro-abortion side and the pro-life side at this point. In this case, it is more just partisan politics. Democrats want a Supreme Court that just rubber stamps whatever they want. And this is what gets me, Emily. So we have an electoral system where you vote for people and they make decisions and those are the rules and you can change the rules. There's a system for all of this. And Democrats aren't getting everything they want because... People vote, and that's not the way it works. And they say they say the system's unfair, but now they want the Supreme Court to be to have a majority, so they can just do have the court mandate whatever they want. It doesn't matter what the laws or the system says. It's just an instant I win button. That's what they want. Um, how would this work for abortion if they were successful? Well, uh, they would just get rid of every pro-life law. Doesn't matter. They don't like them. Whoosh, they're gone. Uh, mandate tax-funded abortions. You know, uh, they can do that. Restrict free speech rights of pregnancy centers and sidewalk counselors. You know, some people say that, you know, the pro-life movement should just abandon politics and they should just go out to these abortion clinics and reach these women. Well, Emily, what if you're not legally allowed to do that? What then? Jail for How, you. What, you know, if you... People are like, you should just focus on education. Okay, what if it's illegal to educate people about pro-life issues? And maybe now people see the censorship, cancel culture. Uh, maybe people have more of an understanding now that how important the political system is and why even if you, as a pro-life movement, think education is your top priority, it would be suicidal to completely abandon the, per, uh, the political realm. Um, and Emily, just to bring this all together, you know, so I think one of the reasons they might have done this, so it, it's kind of gone over like a lead balloon. I don't think that, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi said, well, I'm not going to take this up, uh, you know, until they, do, until they do. So they're waiting for a justification right now. They don't really have a plausible one, which we'll talk about justifications and excuses in our next segment. Um, but... The last time that court packing was seriously considered is in the 1930s. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was very angry that the conservative, the, the last conservative Supreme Court majority until this one, for decades there wasn't one. Um, the last one was shooting down some of his uh, New Deal legislation, saying it was unconstitutional. There's nothing in you know Article One that says you can do this, and so he threatened to add justice to the Supreme Court. And his excuse was, well, there's a lot of old justices, so we're going to add some younger justices who just happen to, you know, want to do whatever I want. Um, and what happened was he was completely successful. He had a lot of wind behind him, public support, super majorities in Congress, even though Congress was up in arms and said this court packing thing was a terrible idea and they might not have done it. 
message was received by the Supreme Court and they started rubber stamping uh, his policy proposals and that was the end of the conservative Supreme Court majority from then until uh, the Donald Trump administration. They called it the switch in time that saved nine. Um, so Emily, I don't know, they, if they can't get this uh, Supreme Court super majority now, if they can't pack the court, they can't take it over and seize it, can they bully the Supreme Court a day after abortion case rears its ugly head to, you know, oh, you don't want to rule that way on abortion. People are going to get upset. And then, Emily, gosh, we'll have our justification. See this horrible thing they did on abortion? Now we have to pack the court. We have to take control, seize it, and take, uh, you know, forever. It's ours. And I don't know. The jumps in logic and the convoluted reasoning of people who support the killing of babies in the womb never surprises me. And speaking of convoluted reasoning, Emily, so we had uh, the FDA, and we'll ex juxtapose this in a few minutes about what they, uh, you know, how it affects Michigan. But uh, the FDA, no surprise, which is under the purview of the Department of Health and Human Services, led by Javier Becerra, who believes pro-life journal undercover journalists belong in jail. Um, they decided, I mean, I don't think Becerra's nameplate was ordered and on his door yet in his office in Washington, D.C., before the FDA decided that, gosh, we're in a pandemic now. Let's just have mail-order abortions. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah, YOLO. Who cares you know, how many people get it's hurt? It's so dangerous for 25-year-old women to, you know, go to Planned Parenthood. They might die. Oh, not not from the abortion, from COVID. From COVID. Yeah. So uh, to increase women's safety, mm -hmm. Emily, mm -hmm. um, we should allow women to just, you know, do a quick video chat with an abortionist or whoever, you know, whatever, and then just get some uh, abortion pills in the mail. So the FDA is refusing on a quote-unquote temporary emergency basis. There's the bunnies again. Uh, is not going to enforce their own regulations requiring the abortion pill to be handed to women in person. Why do they have a special regulation, Emily, to hand abortion pills in person to women? This might come as a shock to some people, but the abortion pill, RU486, is dangerous. It not only does it have the expressed purpose of killing an unborn child in the womb, uh, the complication rates for the abortion pill are four times higher than surgical abortions. Uh, the risks include ruptured atopic pregnancy, sepsis, um, infection, uh, well sepsis is infection, and it's just so far, we have, according according to the, the FDA, we have 24 women in the United States who have died from the abortion pill when it was administered in a doctor doctor's office. So that the, we know of. That we know of. The in-person requirement really is set to establish a few things. Uh, one, is she actually pregnant? There's a lot of reasons why women can have false pregnancy tests. Some of them are potentially life-threatening, like an ectopic pregnancy. 
Um, you have, you can have, if you've had another recent abortion, you can get a false pregnancy test, a miscarriage, or just problems with ovaries. All of those are reasons, so we need to establish if someone is actually pregnant before we give them dangerous medication. Pish posh, Emily. Abortionists have ESP and they can totally, over a Zoom meeting, diagnose whether or not you have an ectopic pregnancy. Mm -hmm. They just know. Yeah. They're that good. Yeah. Ectopic pregnancy is far more common than they would have you believe. Um, some data suggests it's about 2% of all pregnancies are ectopic and it is the leading cause of maternal mortality in the first trimester. Uh, the symptoms of a ruptured ectopic pregnancy are identical to the symptoms from the abortion pill. Um, and so by just getting rid of, getting rid of the doctor's appointment, we're just saying, hey, you know what? We don't care if you have this potentially life-threatening condition. Uh, just take this pill and huh, good luck. Hope it works out for you. Nothing so, bad happens. No, no. So, so when abortion is banned, the abortion industry stated, uh, literally stated plan for legal abortions is abortion pills by mail. Well, we're there right now. Uh, now, granted, uh, they still have to be prescribed by a doctor. Um, well, depending on the state, I saw that, was it Hawaii? Hawaii. Yep, Hawaii yep. just said, oh, uh, you don't have to be a doctor to perform a surgical abortion. Non-doctors yeah. performing surgery, that's okay. Um, so there's going to be these pills going around in the mail. Planned Parenthood obviously thinks it's great. I just saw a news story today, I don't know if you saw it, about a, a new company starting up. Central um, hubs for distribution. Yeah, yeah. that uh, wants to, uh, you know, edge in on the abortion pill business because it's lucrative. All you got to do is charge women and then you don't care. You don't have to do, you don't have to really do foul up. You don't have to have a recovery room. You don't have to do all those, you don't have to clean your facility. All you got to do is just ship some chemicals. You don't really even need mail. staff. Right. And, and, um, you know, and, and abortion pills, even if it is, even if you're not having a life-threatening uh, uh, reaction, it is so hard to tell because if you could just, even people who support abortion, when they describe what it's like to have a pill abortion, the symptoms are horrible. If you've known anyone that's taken it, and I have, sadly, it is serious symptoms, Uh you know, bleeding for months, for yeah, days, weeks, uh, illness. Um, and you know, the abortionists don't have to deal with the dead baby. The woman does because we're never going to pass the dead baby, you know, in the toilet, in your room, you know, um, pretty horrible stuff. And it's so cheap and easy for them to do. And that's ultimately their goal is they want abortion to be so cheap and so easy. Um, and I think that's great. And they don't care how many women are harmed in the process. And speaking of, we just saw a story today. Uh, you know, Argentina legalized abortion. What, Argentina, right? Yes, yeah, Argentina. Argentina. Um, and one of the youth pro-abortion leaders, uh, you know, one of many, but one of the youth pro-abortion leaders who was big in supporting it and uh, was happy she could finally get her quote-unquote dream abortion, died from the abortion pill. First death in Argentina from legalized abortion. So she was arguing for the culture of death. Little did she know she was arguing for her own death. Uh, and 
a tragic waste of two lives in that case. Uh, and, and that's all this FDA decision is. It's just a tragic waste of life. This is what they wanted to do. They just needed an excuse. The pandemic is an excuse. And so that's what they do. They take advantage of crises. It doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. It doesn't matter if it's actually safer or not. Uh, that's what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. So, and temporary emergency, come on. Like no, no honest person really believes that when the pandemic is declared over that they're going to reinforce those rules. They're going to formally just get rid of all of them and they're going to expect the media is not going to A, report on it and B, people won't remember. Um, you know? I'll remember. Just a simple thing like making sure that the woman actually has to like have a relationship with the doctor and that and then that line you know abortions between a woman and her doctor apparently abortions no, between doctor. a woman and fedex now i guess uh, and you don't know where she is how far away from the hospital it's just it's terrible it's it's horrible well they don't care they don't care they i mean the the woman coming in for an abortion is not a client she's not a not even a client She's a paycheck. Not even a patient, not even a client, not even a client relationship. You know, it's get her in, get her out, move on, move on to the next one, move this on to the next one. Disassembly line. You know, and even when you think about it, you know, because the repeat abortion rate is 50%, you think that they would put more effort into, you know, these women having a good experience because they will come back one, two, three times to have more abortions. But, you know, ah, so cynical. So, Emily, 24 women in uh, a couple million uh, pill abortions over the years. Uh, do whatever you want. Doesn't matter, Emily. However, one death in 7 million doses of a coronavirus vaccine, Emily, FDA, shut it down. Shut it down now. Um, as you probably heard, the FDA uh, now... We're not commenting on the wisdom of this, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea or what the number, preliminary numbers, and this is all in the emergency use process and blah, blah, blah. It's ironic. We're just saying that, you know, mathematically, if the FDA is going to call for a pause in the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine based on one woman dying um, that we know of, in, I believe it was 6.8 million doses administered so far, or 6.8 million people receiving, oh, it's a one, it's a one dose, right? Yeah, it's so 6.8 6 million doses so far. Um, but 24 women dying in about half as many pill abortions. Why couldn't we get a pause there until we find out what's going on? It's a good question. Um, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just, uh, and that's funny too, because when they did the studies from the abortion pill, there were significant. 56 women. Significant uh, side effects, but they just, oh. that was the Clinton administration. They wanted to pill abortion, so they gave it the green light. This is the Biden administration. So politically, with abortion, the rules, the facts, nothing matters. Um, now, we bring this up not only for that, but because uh, for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it's the only one approved in the U.S. Uh, they all have emergency use approval. Not all of them. Three of them have emergency use approval. The Johnson & Johnson is the only one that uses, as we've mentioned in the podcast, st um, 
fetal cell lines to produce doses. Specifically, the cell line uh, cells taken from a baby aborted in 1985, I believe at 19 weeks of pregnancy, and it's the baby's eye, the retina cells. So, uh, this Johnson & Johnson vaccine is one that Michigan state law requires patients who are receiving that vaccine be told that a fetal cell line was used in production. Uh, we found out that, uh, if you remember, we passed this law. It was in the state pandemic funding bill that any patient receiving a vaccine that uses a fetal cell line in producing doses needs to be given informed consent. To our shock, Governor Whitner, uh, Whitmer signed it, didn't release a signing statement saying you can't enforce it, didn't do anything like that, uh, just let it go. Um, almost every media source completely ignored it. Uh, some common usual suspects that might get in our case about it didn't mention anything about it. And then uh, we were wondering if the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services would enforce it. And lo and behold, they updated their website. And we asked them if they were going to update the emergency use authorization fact sheet, which is basically uh, the little informed consent flyer. Um, well, not so little, it's a couple pages, but that every person is supposed to be given when they get the vaccine. And maybe they thought maybe it looked like they weren't going to do that, but they did. So now if you get, if you get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which you aren't because the FDA paused it, but if they resume... Uh, then you will be getting, if you get that vaccine, you'll be getting informed consent material stating that this vaccine was produced using a fetal cell line. So, small win for information. I'm kind of amazed they didn't go ballistic. It's unusual. It is. And half of me wonders if they just don't, if they think if they don't bring attention to it, people won't know. It's like possible. If, if they don't read the informed consent materials... It is a lot. Um, if it's a media story, then people will realize, um, you know, and of course their fear is, oh, well, then people won't take the vaccine. But, you know, when when a person finds out that a boarded baby was used in producing something and nobody told them, then they become skeptical of everything that you say forever because that's kind of a big deal to, I don't know, half the country, you know, 160 million plus people. Um so we'll see what the FDA does about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, if they'll, br if they'll bring it back, what the data will show. Uh, but if they do, then that informed consent will carry forward. And if any of those other vaccines that utilize fetal cell lines in producing doses um, are approved, then that will be covered too. Uh, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, of course, they don't use the cell lines in producing doses. However, during the research and development process, they did use... Uh, a different fetal cell line from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, so, you know, ethically take that, take that for what you will and, and make your own decision. Oh, busy week, Emily. It's been insane. It's been insane, trying to keep track of everything. You know, I'm, I'm doing a radio show later, and I have 15 minutes, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points and four other things. <laughs> So I have to describe each of these in about 10 seconds. It's, um, the news this week has been coming quickly and from various, various, there's court things, there's science things, there's FDA things. It's just everything all at once. So 
hold your hats because there will probably be more soon. <laughs> yeah, and all we can say, as we always say, is elections have consequences. And when you put abortion ideologues in charge of things, they're not going to sit around and do nothing. They are going to do everything they think they can get away with to advance abortion and take human life. Um, just to close, we'll, we'll briefly mention, maybe you want to feature it later, but uh, there's an experiment in China uh, with American researcher participating where they created uh, monkey-human hybrids. Uh, now what they did is they took uh, stem cells, they took cells and turned them into stem cells from an adult person, implanted them in monkey embryos and watched it grow watched it grow and then of course they killed it um because they as they said in the article about it you know we don't want to be in the planet of apes well now we kind of are uh, but you know there are no regulations there's no guidelines the people in charge of these things they want to break these taboos they want to see if they can do it um personnel matters beliefs matter uh, if pro-life people want human life to be respected, then pro-life people need to be in all of these positions and constantly advocating for all these things uh, because the abortion movement thrives, uh, the culture of death thrives on not mentioning and moving on from these topics. And we're going to move on now for the weekend. Go have a good weekend. Join us again next week.